Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, so if you forget to track your workout, did it even happen? No way. It needs to be on Instagram or Snapchat or maybe even LinkedIn. Uh, today's show, we're talking about Strava, a social product that tracks your exercise. Yeah. So for anyone that hasn't used Strava before, Strava is a fitness app. It lets you track fitness activities on a map and gauge your performance against others within the Strava community. You can like other people's uh, workouts that they've had and they posted onto Strava and get all those likes and all the good dopamine hits from seeing the community interact with your workouts. You can also track directly via the app. It's a phone mobile app, so it connects to your phone's GPS and syncs your fitness. So as you're running around, it'll figure out where you are. Or you can import your data through a device like your uh, Garmin watch or your Fitbit tracker, etc. So this is a Garmin watch, Mike. <laughs> I think the people that are super into running use Garmin watches. Like all Maybe why that's why I asked that question. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> totally. that's more indicative of me than it is of people that use Garmin watches. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. So let's say, for example, like you're out for a bike ride and you want to record it to Strava. So you take your Fitbit out, your favorite GPS recording, or your Garmin watch, <laughs> if you're if you're not, Jeff, and you, you do the workout, you post it to Strava, you'll see your route on a map. So you'll see it uh, displayed the whole like where you started, where you finished, uh, all the different directions where you went. There's some funny posts on the Internet of like people that made different shapes with their different routes and they'll use it typically from Strava. But you also see really interesting statistics, especially if you're really into fitness or even just not even super into fitness, I think for everyone. So you can see the elevation that you gained, uh, the distance. The wattage, if you're a cyclist, I know that's a huge metric for cyclists, what your key, your average output was, um, along with other key metrics. You can also upload pictures to this as well. One of my friends, Athena on Strava, she always posts like really funny, like she changes the titles of her workouts to say like, uh, that sucked or like that was unexpected or I hit a log <laughs> or something crazy like that for her yeah. bike and she'll post a picture as well. One of my favorite features for Strava is their medals. So you can get a bronze, a silver, a gold medal against yourself. So you can see if you had a personal re personal record or a personal best and see where you rank in the community. Now, there's even cool names for each of those specific segments. So let's say I did like a 16-mile bike ride. Maybe a tenth, like a 0.1-mile segment of that route was on a canal. And it, Strava might name it like Final Canal Dogleg. And you can actually see how you rank against the, the community and actually see like, quote unquote, king of the hill, which is basically how fast you were going against everyone else. And the king of the hill was the person that did that segment in the quickest amount of time. So mm -hmm. I know my friend Jake, who's really into Strava and really into cycling, he'll always just like compete with his cycling buddies to say, oh, like I, I beat you on that. I got to upload it to Strava. So it's, it's, it's really cool. Do people like drive down these, <laughs> drive down these bike <laughs> trails and get king of the hill? And then like, obviously it's probably like, you can tell that they're cheating, but I wonder if they have some sort of like anti-cheat feature or anything. Damn it, Jeff. Always trying to game the system. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> always think about corner cases, you know? For sure, man. It's a good, good, any good PM worth their salt will we'll think about the edge cases. So talking about the business model. So at the surface level, Strava offers a freemium model. It's offers subscriptions. So for the base user, it's free to use, free to track. You get three major features. You get activity recording, device support, and social network. 
they offer a single tiered premium model. It's $8 a month if you're just on a monthly subscription or $60 a year for the annual subscription. And there you get a bunch more features. It includes like the segment competition that I was talking about. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the, the, the uh, of Strava is competing mm-hmm. against, you can see how I rank up um, in my uh, weight class and age class. But this includes advanced metrics, goal setting, comparison, personal heat maps, and, and, and others. It's interesting when I was talking, looking into how Strava makes re- makes uh, revenue is that it's not just the subscriptions. That's what I thought that Strava would all be, but they also are uniquely positioned to make revenue in other ways. So, uh, for example, they aggregate data. So all of those running routes, the bicycle routes, etc. That's super valuable to city planners. Oh. So they actually sell this data through something called Strava Metro and Strava Labs to city planners. It's unclear how much they monetize this, but it is a valuable feature where you can see like, hey, maybe we should create a bike path here because you know thousands of cyclists are, are using this. So I thought that was an interesting revenue path. And then the second one, which again, I couldn't find much data on how much revenue Strava is making off of this, but they actually are uniquely positioned to pursue brand partnerships with branded events. So for example, if we wanted to do a community run, like Lululemon did this, I think with the New York City Marathon or other marathons where they did a Lululemon run across the entire Strava community. So you log into the Strava app and you're not in a city, but you're just running against the community, but it's Lululemon branded. So I'm, I'm sure that Lululemon sponsored that for XYZ dollars, mm-hmm. um, but it's interesting to have that as a unique um, ability for, for Strava to make to make money. Yeah, I think that last point is really interesting of these like asynchronous runs where people are competing against each other virtually. So totally. at my company, we just had, I think it was like Activity June or whatever, this like big company sponsored event where everyone was posting their steps and miles biking and walking and running and stuff like that and then at the end like the top three in each category won some prize turns out it was just jeff running around in his car or driving around in his car yeah it was (laughs) me putting my apple watch on a washer dryer and just letting it go and (laughs) you know two million steps later i I got a 20 dollars gift card (laughs) but um yeah it's super great that there is competition and um, accountability built into here i think the first time i heard about something like this was actually on fitbit I don't know who built their kind of like gamified social competition product first, Fitbit or Strava. But I remember the big reason why I thought Fitbit was really awesome was because I was able to enter into these competitions with friends. And, you know, because I'm semi-competitive, I would like try to beat everybody week to week on being the one with the top amount of steps and just making sure that I could win those competitions. And I thought that was really cool because it gamified the entire process. It made you feel like you're playing a game instead of exercising. It made you compete with other people. But then I noticed that like that fell off with Fitbit. And I don't know if that's the same case with Strava or people still uh, utilize Strava for these competitions. It sounds like it's a pretty healthy ecosystem and community. Totally. I think it's definitely uh, super ripe. <laughs> like anyone that yeah. like, especially like, you know, I, I think if you join like any cycling group, maybe not any cycling group, but, like a lot of cycling groups you'll see like a ton of competition where some random dude that you might be cycling with will just start sprinting for yeah. some reason. And like, they're <laughs> just trying to like, they, they know what that segment is and they're, yeah. they're just going to go, even if it means that they're just going to essentially wait for you at the end of it. But right. it's human psychology here is really interesting. So thinking to like the energy space. So there's a company called Opower that did a study mm-hmm. with utility bills and people love to be compared against themselves. Like yeah. it's not just like us. And they did this study with utility bills where all they did was they 
simply showed the percentage of energy that you use plus or minus compared to your neighbor. Mm. And that was enough like competition or really like, like, like human psychological, like shaming almost yeah. for you to start using less electricity. I think it was something like five to 8% less electricity by people that just saw that one metric on their yeah. uh, monthly utility bill. So like that competition is real and it's like, it's definitely proven out. So it's interesting. These platforms are enabling that. I'll give you a counterpoint, which was uh, during the droughts that were happening in California <laughs> a few years ago, basically anyone that was going way over their water bill, they were publicly shaming and putting them, I think, in like the local newspaper. I think it was like Oakland or something, Oakland Tribune. And these people were racking up these tens of thousands of dollars in extra water bills because they're you know, watering their lawns. And come to find out, uh, a lot of those people were just rich people in Oakland Hills that didn't care about like being publicly shamed. <laughs> they cared more about like keeping their lawns up to snuff and uh, they didn't care about the fines. So just to say that like that might have actually gone backwards and th- because they had the money, they were like, I don't really care what people think about me. And I-, I almost feel like it was a competition the other way to be like, who can spend so much money to keep <laughs> up there <laughs> to keep their lawns like nice and fresh. Uh, and even though they're being publicly shamed, like it almost worked in a like reverse psychology way. Yeah, no, incentives are weird. Not to like keep like piling on the anecdotes here, but I know that in business school, we looked at this like um, study of an Israeli daycare where they're uh-huh. thinking of like how to incentivize parents to pick up their kids on time. So because they the daycare found that pa- parents were just late by like, I think yeah. an average of like, I'm just going to throw a number out there. I don't know if it's accurate, but let's call it 15 minutes for, to pick up their kids. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, let's uh, start associating fines with this. So like they started fining parents for being late and def- they defined the how much you, you would get fined based off of the uh, yeah. how late you were. And it turns out that it was even worse. Like parents like left their kids something like an hour or they were late by like an hour. So they gained oh, no. 45 minutes of lateness because parents were just like, oh, I can pay for it. They kind of like remove the guilt from it. So yeah. like, I think there's just so much nuance there with like human psychology and competition and just how you incentivize things. And it's, I think it's, it's going to break. It's not like it is even straight line continuum. It's like this weird step function curve with weird, <laughs> weird edge case use cases. So your nose to ask about driving around and break the use case is point on for, yeah, for this. Exactly. I think the times that I've used Strava, I have used it to like track some runs. I, I've mostly used it to track hikes just to see like, hey, I'm hiking with a group. How long did this take? How much elevation gain? Yada, yada. And then I like screenshot that and I share it with a group that I hike with. It's less so about like compete. For me, it's less so about competing. It's more about tracking or having historical data of the hikes that I've done and like where I've gone and how long things have taken. Cool. So let's talk about the history of the product. There's not too much here, but basically it was founded in 2009 by a couple of folks, Mark Ganey and Michael Horvath in San Francisco. Originally, both Ganey and Horvath were co-CEOs, um, but they were eventually succeeded by James Quarles, who joined from Instagram. Pretty big hire, especially because I think of Strava as like a pretty well-known company, but in a niche space. In 2017, Strava published, like you mentioned, Global Heat Map, which shows two years of data from all of Strava's athletes, which originally was like really, really cool. But it was controversial because it ended up lighting up military bases across the globe. Because, you know, obviously, a lot of folks on base are really active. They're using Strava to like keep track of their jogs or hikes. And they're jogging around these military bases, which is lighting up the outline of the military base. And so it actually showed military bases from the US in Syria and Afghanistan. And so there was like a lot of scrutiny over privacy policy and issues and like, you know, releasing that data and capturing that data, et cetera. 
Since then, uh, users can actually opt out of having their data collected, but the original data is already archived on GitHub. So like people know where these like forward bases are and like, you know, oh, there's, you don't really have the element of surprise anymore. So I thought that love was, the internet. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Archiving U.S. government secrets since 2004, whatever GitHub was founded. The internet's undefeated. So in 2018, they claimed that they were adding 1 million users every 45 days and 8 million activities uploaded each day. I only say that they claim that because there's no public data on, on any of this. Um, they're just something that they self-reported. Jeff, I want you to write a script and validate this for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Um, in November of 2019, Horvath actually returned as CEO and they actually shifted more towards innovative and athletic focused approach because they realized that Strava was doing a great job of appealing to kind of this niche group of very active people that were trying to like, you know, track their own data, compare themselves to others, and then increase their performance. The company had about 35% of growth in user numbers and 68 million uh, users in six months since that time. So they're pretty successful. Obviously, they're pretty well known in this space. And a lot of people are using them now for runners and cyclists. Yeah, I definitely love that for like, I'm just thinking of like, uh, Lord of the Rings, like Return of the King, you know, it's like the return, Horvath returns as CEO and, you know, gets it back to like the <laughs> That happens a lot, right? That. Like, obviously, the most famous one is probably Steve Jobs getting ousted and coming back in. I mean, Jeff Apple. Bezos is coming back? Yeah, I don't know. Fingers crossed, man. But yeah, like uh, people do tend to cycle back to the company and come back in some way, shape or form. No, totally. And with Horvath returning as CEO, like everything that you described more of a user focus, like is a really good transition for who Strava is for. And I think Horvath realized that, you know, Strava is for runners and cyclists. That is who uses the platform. They're like, you know, posting their daily workouts. They want to see and post these and interact with the community and also compete with everyone else. I actually found like a really good article called Product Over Network and how Strava built a product versus creating a network. And they wanted to just focus on basically their strengths of like what makes Strava great. And I think that this is spot on. Like I couldn't agree with this article more that Strava is a true cyclist or runner's app. Like it's all my friends that cycle or run on a regular basis. Like they, they use Strava, they post to Strava, they want, want that. And Strava has realized this and really leaned into all the functionality that, that makes that. As Jeff mentioned, Strava users post a ton of activities. In 2017, they posted 1 billion activities and that 3x by 2020 where they posted 3 billion activities. That's a massive amount of activity that's being tracked on, on the platform. And as Jeff mentioned, with the return of Horvath, they were just adding a crazy amount of, of users, something like at one point, 1 million users every single month over the past couple of years, uh, so, which is just a crazy clip for, for any company to be growing at. So if you look at the total amount spent, I'm just trying to like understand like the total addressable market that Strava is looking into. If we just look at cyclists, like the U.S. market spends about $100 billion annually on bicycling. So it's definitely an interesting market to, to oper operate in. And there's tons of opportunity here for, for Strava to, to, to monetize, which I think they're, they're doing an interesting job by offering the subscription and, you know, really, especially knowing that the core feature of competing against uh, other people is behind a paywall. I think that I, even me, like I'm a premium Strava member I, because I love seeing like who's the king of the hill and, and, and all of that jazz. So yeah, I think Strava is doing a great job really honing in on their target market of runners and cyclists. Yeah, data is king. Do you feel like Strava is a, I won't call it premium, but like a more niche version of Fitbit or like the pro version of Fitbit? 
in terms of their like competitions and data? I think it's just more specific because I use both. Like I, I'm not a, a, a Fitbit premium. I was Fitbit premium only because I bought like the new Fitbit yeah. um, six months ago. It actually just expired, but I actually use my Fitbit because I like the hardware mm. to export data to Strava because it actually integrates really well. So yeah. what I like Fitbit for is more of like everyday tracking mm-hmm. of like, this is like my whole health, like, you know, for the, every single day. Yeah. Whereas Strava is like activity specific. It's like, right. I went on a hike, I went on a run, I went on a bike, like a cycle route. Yeah. I want to like see like where I went, how far I went, how fast I went, uh, what my heart rate was, all of that jazz. So I think it's, I think they've done an interesting job of like, se- like self-segmenting and they actually yeah. rely on each other for, for data. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's just spin right into the competitors. We just talked about Fitbit. I agree with you. Fitbit to me seems like any casual person that just wants to do some exercise or track how many steps they do in a day, that's like really great for Fitbit. And that's why there was a lot of people doing the Fitbit competitions. And there was that like one summer a year where like everyone and their mom got a Fitbit (laughs) because (laughs) it was like super cheap. And it was just like low barrier of entry and people can just kind of get in and start competing against one another. Whereas again, like Strava feels a bit more niche. It's cyclists. It's people that are running maybe competitively. It's people that go on hikes regularly. It's people that buy Garmin watches. (laughs) And that's why people (laughs) like me, like don't use Strava as much, only use it for hikes and stuff like that. You know, I'm Um, going to gift you a Garmin watch because of this episode. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, man. Maybe I'll just like wear it on my ankle or something. I (laughs) I feel like I already have like an Apple watch and I had a Fitbit at one point. Attach it to your car. And so I, <laughs> I'll know that off. you're like the king of the hill on all the routes because <laughs> you're being your car. Yeah, exactly. Other competitors in this space, I think about like Apple Health, they track other, you know, forms of health data and for you to use. There's RunKeeper. Peloton is a great example, maybe less so for obviously hiking, but they track your performance data on the Peloton itself. And then there's a company or a product called Map My Run, which is under the Under Armour umbrella. I think they're in the same portfolio as like MyFitnessPal and, and the products that they're building out. Totally random, but do you remember the Under Armour cleat commercials of Click Clack? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I just like, whenever I like hear the word Under Armour, I still think of like Click Clack and like walking on like cement with cleats. Anyways, transitioning to our thoughts. <laughs> so I think Strava has great product market fit. As I mentioned earlier, like, they, they claim that they're the number one app for cyclists and runners. And I couldn't agree more is that it, it's a really handy way to just track your overall history. You know, they know the target customer really, really well. It's like even for like the cyclists or runners, you can actually upload your equipment into Strava. So mm-hmm. um, I can like, you know, I've named my bike and I, I have like a name for her and it auto assigns like if you have different bikes like you can you can say oh like which bike did you ride this on so you can Mm. see how many miles your bike has and that builds a flywheel because you say oh like it's kind of like an odometer for your bike at that point it's like oh i I rode like 600 miles on this bike maybe it's time for like yeah new new wheels or whatever and same thing for running is like hey i ran this in like my a6 shoe like whatever it is and i'm up to 100 miles it's time for me to change shoes so I think Strava does a great job of just building functionality and just really, really focusing on that. And I think they they do a really good job of drawing the line of like free versus premium and making it simple. I think a lot of companies will kind of make it confusing for what am I getting for the traditional pricing methodology is like good, better, best. And Strava is just like free or paid. And yeah. really like the, the I think the biggest feature that I wish was free because 
I wouldn't pay for premium, and they probably know this, is the competition of segments. Like I want to be able to see how I did against everyone else. And that's behind the premium paywall. So I think it's a great app. Like I really like the pricing strategy there. The customer experience is really good. So for example, if you have a Fitbit, it auto-populates and immediately imports into Strava. And it's actually really quick where pretty much as soon as I click end on my Fitbit after like a GPS guided run, it'll automatically upload to Strava. I I definitely love that. So uh, Strava for me is going to be a 4.65. It's definitely high up there. Wow. Yeah, that's a good score. I am going to give it like a 4.2. I'm probably not as active as you (laughs) in terms of like hikes and bike rides and stuff like that. I have used Strava for the hikes that I've been taking, mostly just to kind of map out what I've done. And it's really cool to like see all the different hikes that you've done over the year. I am not a premium user, so it's hard for me to kind of comment on the pricing strategy. But overall, it does feel like they have kind of cornered the market for cyclists, for hikers, for runners. And I I think it's really interesting that they have a very data forward uh, mentality when it comes to their product and how they kind of offer the data as the main focal point and figuring out how you compete with others, figuring out how you've done, benchmarking yourself against um, yourself, basically. I think all that's like a really smart way to provide service and provide product. And so, yeah, I think 4.25, pretty, pretty good product for me. Nice. Well, those are our thoughts on Strava and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So definitely reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. Yeah. And if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.